This is Michael Zuber, and I just wanted to thank you for listening to my One Rental at a Time podcast. Did you know that I took the time to document the entire process I used to learn my market and actually still use today? I released it as a $199 online course via Teachable, and it is called How to Get Started One Rental at a Time. With that, you get access to my private Facebook group and can join our group mentoring calls every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific. You can find it on my website at onerentalatatime.com. Now on with the show. All right, here we are. I am mobile today. I'm actually headed to the airport. So I've got for our Friday financial wrap up, I have my good friend, Michael Zuber. How are you, Michael? I'm doing good, Ty. Thank you very much. I love the fact that we do these even when life gets in the way. So uh, thank you for doing this. I love it. I, I love the content and I love getting to talk to you every week. So um, let's get right into it. So let's talk about, I think something that's really confusing out there is recently the president requested to Congress to extend the eviction moratorium with the CDC. Also too, I think there's some confusion. The eviction moratorium was supposed to end in July, but the state of California has something different. Tell us what's going on there. Yeah. So there's a couple of things going on, right? There has been discussion the last year or so about did the CDC have the authority uh, and the rule of law to do what they did, right? And several courts and now the Supreme Court has basically come out saying, sorry, Congress never gave you the authority to do what you did. So my hands are tied. We'll give you the month of July to distribute funds, uh, but don't, don't do that again because you will lose, right? That was basically late June was when all this came down. So they had the month of July to disperse funds and now, you know, two days before the end of July, Biden basically has come out saying, sorry, guys, can't do it. Supreme Court wraps my hands. But Congress, get off your butt, because Congress can pass laws uh, that, would, that would either A, extend a eviction moratorium via another means, maybe via housing or, or something else, or B, give CDC the right to declare such a thing, right? The Congress can do that. Unfortunately, Congress doesn't move that fast. Congress doesn't move that fast, even with emergency powers. And given the split in the Senate, uh, there's not enough votes very likely to pass what's called a filibuster, right? You need 60 senators to get past that. So a lot of this theater from Pelosi and others have been just that. Um, So the eviction moratorium by the CDC is going to expire tomorrow. However, as I've said for a long time, it's not the federal government that should should pass this. It should be states, right? One of the things that we have in the United States is obviously is the separation of, of state law and, and federal. Uh, and states can pass their own law. And oh, by the way, states can pass them much, much, much faster, right? Gavin Newsom, for example, has passed laws in as little as 24 or 48 hours, right? See AB 382 as an example, right? When he extended California's eviction moratorium from June 30th, to September 30th, right? That was done in a 48, perhaps 72 hour window. So for the state of California, uh, even though the CDC thing goes by the wayside tomorrow, uh, we have state law on the books until the end of September. And knowing our um, lovely communist governor, it will likely be extended past that. Uh, But most of the states, I actually did review today, most of the states uh, evictions will start Monday. Uh, There are states, by the way, that are longer than California. State of New Jersey is already on the books till uh, January 1st. 
so while California may feel like, I don't know, one way, but uh, New Jersey's already longer, right? They're, they're all the way to January 1st. Yep. Yeah, no, it, it's an interesting time for sure, especially too now that, you know, they say that COVID numbers are spiking up, there's mass mandates that have all of a sudden started coming back. It's an interesting time for sure. Um, let's keep moving on the financial path and that specifically, let's talk about inflation. Yeah. What did you share with new numbers this last week? Yeah, inflation's, inflation's running hotter. Uh, I've spent about 30 days trying to figure out, do I believe inflation is transitory, meaning it will go away by itself from the supply chain? Or is there a bigger problem? And in the last, the, that, this, this last weekend, so starting Sunday or Monday, I'm like, no, inflation is going to be a bigger issue because what I see bubbling below the surface is going to have a longer, longer thread. It's wages. It's the cost of housing. Housing is a big deal. Housing is being underrepresented in inflation, right? The inflation number I saw in housing in what's called the PCE was about 2%. But when you look at Case Shiller, you look at these, all these other metrics, it's up 15%. So my guess is inflation and housing costs is going to eventually bubble up month after month after month. Then we have wages, then we have food, then we the stuff that you and I use every day as consumers are going up. Yes, you can point at used cars and say they won't go up 10% again. Who cares? You buy one used car every decade or airline, you're you're about to jump on an airplane flight. That ticket's more expensive now than it was last year, but last year you wouldn't fly. So there's a lot of things that are transitory. But I believe the real economy is starting to move and we move in mass, mass. And oh, by the way, consumer spending in the last PCE number, which came out today, was up 1% on the month, 11.7% annualized. That's a monster number. We are spending a lot. The, cons- the service-based economy is roaring back. But unfortunately, that means the, the a large portion of the people that are going to get hurt because inflation, whether you like it or not, is a tax we all pay. But just like most taxes, it fall the burden falls on the folks that can least afford it. Uh, so I think inflation is going to be a bigger problem. I think the Fed is um, going to ignore it as long as possible, but they're eventually going to have to raise rates. So the PCE number came out today and it was 3.5%, highest since January of 1991. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I, I've got to say that um, it, it's interesting, too, that something I think everybody probably notices is gas. You know, I know that um, at one point in the last week, um, I bought gas at $4.89 a gallon, which, you know, let, let's call it round up. I mean, that was almost five bucks a gallon. Um, now, I didn't drive around and look for, you know, out of the six gas stations which had the lowest mm-hmm. but point being is that you know what was gas last year three bucks 289 yeah something like that so we're definitely um i think people are probably feeling it a little bit for sure yeah the average I don't, the government is always i mean the cpi number is one of the most managed and tweaked numbers out there it's almost useless at this point if you just did rent g- gas um food health care school things that we all pay i mean Inflation is raging. Absolutely. Let's let's talk about earnings. I know that the S&P, we had a lot of earnings updates. What, what did you see there? Yeah, earnings, uh, again, I think this week we had 30 or 31% of the S&P 500 reporting. Uh, as I've told people on the channel, uh, Q2 was likely going to be peak earnings, and it certainly didn't disappoint. 
I think it's like 87% of the companies exceeded expectation on revenue and earnings top and bottom line. Uh, however, last year is not interest or last quarter, excuse me, is not interesting to me. What I want to know about is the future. What are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future? And what are you doing with inflation? Because I think inflation is real. Uh, so mo again, 87% of the companies beat expectation to be expected. We did have some noticeable disappointments, Amazon being a big one. Amazon had a $100 billion quarter, but missed earnings. Uh, so that sent the stock down. Pinterest, again, had a um, lost user. So we are seeing some interesting changes, but airlines reported good numbers. Restaurants reported good numbers. Mall-based retailers reported good numbers. So the economy certainly is picking up. Uh, but we do have inflation. I mean, there are companies like Coca-Cola, uh, like uh, you know, P&G&E, Apple. The, the, the supply chain is getting more expensive. And companies uh, like Procter & Gamble is going to choose to eat margin for a little bit, while companies like Coke are raising prices. Uh, because again, input costs, labor costs, shipping costs, all of them are higher. And Coke's like, Sorry, folks, I got to raise the, raise the price of a can of Coke. And we're seeing that across a lot of organizations. And then as far as going forward, we're starting to hear more and more people talk about tough compares. That's what Amazon said. Amazon's like, dude, we could not repeat what we did last year when the, you know, the, the country was shut down. Harley Davidson's talking about the, the top end of the K-shaped recovery slowing down. Uh, you know, it's just, we, we are, it, it's going to be an interesting six months. Interesting six months. I would agree. I would completely agree. A lot of uncertainty. Um, let's talk about the housing slowdown. It's something that you we've been talking about for a long time. You've spearheaded this conversation. You've called it. And I would say so incredibly accurate over the last, I'd say really you and I being in this conversation for the last 12, nine months, nine months, 12 months, but especially the last six, seven months. Let's talk about the housing slowdown. Yeah, the housing slowdown is happening exactly how I called it, right? What is happening now is you're seeing increased supply. That supply in general is coming out in unrealistic expectations. Because why? Because you believe the media, right? The media is talking about 50K over and no contingencies and no appraisals and all of these things. So sellers who now want to sell because they feel better or they want to move because they want bigger, newer, or nicer area, they're throwing it on in what is now historically stupid prices. And they're sitting because at the same time, we are seeing demand from consumers who are traveling. They're like, I'm gonna go on vacation, housing is nuts. I'm not gonna overpay. I'm gonna to go to Disneyland or whatever. And um, so it's a really mismatch. So more supply is coming on, demand is going down, days on market. And for the first time in most markets, we are seeing price drops. And you know, the beauty of what I talk about is we are probably going into a very mismatched six month period, hence the slowdown, where you can find motivated sellers for the first time, right? Motivated sellers is where deals are made, but they've been impossible to find because even junk was selling at retail prices, you know, January, February, March, and April. The market's different. Uh, if you only watch the market occasionally, uh, I have news for you. The, the market in August is not April. And um, the slowdown's real, man. I'm, I'm so glad we called it. We called it early inventories building. And again, let's step back. People hear me say slow down and they think crash. It's not, right? I talked to Brian Lebo, who's in Las Vegas the other day. Uh, and he's like, it's exactly what you're talking about. People are putting, you know, he talked about an example. I'll be wrong, but I'll be close. There's a market where a house should go for 500. The seller thought their house was super, super special and was looking for 600. 600. 
Well, guess what? They got one showing in 30 days. Yep. The house probably sells in February because there was no inventory. Now with more listings coming on, the buyers disappearing, they're going to have a price drop or they're going to just take the houses off the market. So again, as a real estate agent, you really need to be coaching your clients early because you don't want to waste time, do open houses and have no one show up. And you don't want to have those angry phone calls after 10 days when you've had no offers. Because again, the market in August is not April and the slowdown is real. It's not a crash. It's just a slowdown. So spot on. It's so spot on. It's interesting. I've got one of my uh, investor groups that I work with and, you know, I'm dealing with a guy that has a really big ego and um, I love him, but I'm just keeping it real. And I won't, you know, I'm just, we're we're conversating. Nobody knows who it is, but it's interesting that, you know, we had an, uh, we put the property out there. We could see the shift in the market um, we did not get the 30 offers or the 20 offers or 10 offers. And we coached and said, Hey, this is not going to be the market shifting. We got an offer on the property that was basically about 1.8% off of the listing price. And they balked at it. And now we are now it's uh, two and a half weeks later and he's scratching his head and well, maybe we should pull it off or maybe we should do another open house or whatever. And it's just like, no, you made a mistake. You missed it. We advised for them to take that offer. Oh, for sure. And it's interesting. It was a complete miss. So very interesting times. Also too, I want to state that um, on the other hand, I've got another investor group where actually we just got a deal off the multiple listing and we hadn't got an investor fixed flip deal off the multiple listing in probably two or three years. Exactly. This is what is so important to hear and why I love people in my Facebook group, because when the market shifts and you find the MLS is going to be a source for deals, but you never know, right? When you see a price drop, you see stuff at 40 days, it used to be 20. Take a shot. I have a, I have a student in my course and you, you're in the course. You can see the post, right? I think it was listed at like 160 or 130. I think it was 130. They wanted to offer 95, but their agent told them no. They ended up looking at the property like after it closed and it sold at 90. It was a great deal at 95. Their agent didn't realize what was going on. The property sells at 90. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm going to be buying stuff out of the MLS because I'm going to find the motivated sellers. Some people are going to say no, right? I'm going to offer under because it's a great deal. If the seller doesn't want it, who cares? Do it again. Do it again. Do the work. Now's the time. Motivated sellers hide most of the time, but you're going to have a six-month window where you can find them. I love it. I love it. So much opportunity when you have uncertainty, which is where we're at. We are in a time of uncertainty. So last thing I want to finish with is ask you about lending. I know there's a lot of talk. We all know that we have these historical low interest rates, but there's also some shifts in lending. Tell us about that. Yeah. One of the things you really got to pay attention to, again, I talk about in the book, right? Besides looking at your market every day, you got to keep a pulse on lending because lenders got the money, lenders make the rules. And right now it is very clear while rates are going down, lenders are getting tighter, right? Debt to income, uh, credit, you know, seasoned money, uh, reserves in the bank, years of of employment. Uh, It is getting harder to get a loan exactly at the time that money's getting the cheapest. So do your homework. Um, You know, if you you can't get an FHA or conventional loan, don't forget about non-QM lenders. They're out there. I talk to one every Friday. but yeah, lending is getting cheaper, but that doesn't mean easier. I would say lending, if lending was like, 
I don't know, on a scale of one to a hundred, if it was like a 70 uh, in January, it's probably a 90 or a 90, 92 today. It's, it's harder today for owners and investors. Makes perfect sense. Well, Michael, thank you for your time today. As always, for everybody out there, anybody watching this, do yourself a favor, subscribe to his YouTube channel. It's the best financial news content. It's some of the best real estate content out there on YouTube. And then also too, um, if I know there's a handful of you out there that maybe are looking you know, to learn more and to develop more skill sets and get more tools in your toolbox, you know, Michael has a great course. It's incredibly affordable. Um, where can they find the course, Michael? Yeah, if you go to my website, One Rental at a Time, or you go to any of my YouTube videos, the link's below. It's, it's an amazing value. It's $2.99, not to hide the price. It's only $299. It's a great value just for what I bring. But you got to realize, I now have seven or eight multimillionaires adding bonus content. Uh, it's, it's unheard of. And I got more and more coming. It's, it's pretty amazing. I love it. Well, Michael, thank you for all that you do for our community. Have a great weekend. Thank you, everybody, all the viewers. Thanks so much. Travel safe. Thank you, brother. I'm going to end it. Let's see. 